The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. All right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 308, coming to you on Tuesday, April 9th. We are going to talk about the latest in USC football, including looking back at Saturday's spring showcase and talk about the final week of spring camp coming up this week. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fanside.com. You can send us questions for the show. You can send us ad inquiries and so much more. And as always, our phone number... 213-373-1872. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. Spring camp is almost over. Only three sessions left. Today, Tuesday, Thursday, and then Saturday. We are recording this on Monday night, the night of the uh, national championship game in basketball. Um, And it's a, it's a bit of a crazy week here, Um, or a crazy week that's just beginning, really. Uh, SC's Spring Showcase was this past Saturday, which we're going to talk about in the news segment. But so many crazy things happening in sports this week. Um, the National Championship game on Monday. Stanley Cup playoffs begin this week. You got the NBA playoffs starting this week. You got the Masters. And you got Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones finally coming back on Sunday, along with Rod on Gott. Yeah, the only thing I care about of all those things that you just listed is the return of Game of Thrones. Uh, I, I did watch the national title game on Monday, sort of, kind of, half watched it. But uh, Game of Thrones is, is the only thing that matters going forward. And I'm trying not to get too hyped, but I'm getting hyped, Michael. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting super excited for Game of Thrones. And you know us, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, we do a certain thing called Rot on Got. Reign of Troy on Game of Thrones. We talk about Game of Thrones. We basically record car cast episodes about each episode. We're still going to do that this year. They are going to be over on Patreon. So if you're not a Rod on Got fan 
and you're just subscribed to our regular free feed, it's not going to bother you. It's not going to be in your feed. You don't have to worry about it. But if you do love Run on God, if you like hearing us talk about Game of Thrones, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy, where you can subscribe for as little as five fifty five a month and hear Run on God, hear us, me, Alicia, and our pal Jake Merrifield from the What's Bruin Show talk about Game of Thrones. Um, and it's going to be fantastic. Uh, we're going to be putting those episodes up on Tuesdays. We'll be recording them on Monday nights uh, during the season. There's only six episodes this final eighth season of Game of Thrones, which means that for the next eight weeks, our main show probably will be going up around Wednesday or so because uh, we'll be recording that the following day. Yeah, which won't make too much of a difference because the news cycle around USC is about to get a little bit sparse with spring bit. camp ending. And uh, it's going to be one of those times of year where we're doing more evergreeny kind of stuff. We might do some big picture topics, the kind of the kind of things that don't necessarily need an early in the week episode. It, we'll we'll just sort of gather up everything that's happened in a week and and respond to it. So it'll all work out. But uh, we'll we'll do our our USC stuff, and then we'll also be able to do our fun Rod on God stuff. Yeah, I'm just thankful for HBO putting their schedule together with no USC kidding. football in mind. Um, two years ago for season uh, seven, it was the seven weeks preceding the season. Literally, yeah. the final week was the Sunday before, six days before uh, USC played Western Michigan. In 2017. And that means it was smack dab in the middle of fall camp. Yes, which was it's a pain in the ass ideal. then. Pain in the ass for you, going to camp every day. Yeah. But, but at least it didn't interfere with football season. Yeah, um, that was in, true. in terms of game weeks. And here it is this year for season, season eight, and it comes out as soon as USC finishes spring camp. Very convenient for us. Perfectly. Perfect, perfect for you, especially since we're going to be recording more episodes uh, of Reign of Troy Radio for the next few weeks. Um, but also there's a bunch of stuff, not just Rod on God. It's not just Rod on God that you get uh, over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Uh, you get a new um, trivia episode. We put that up on Monday. That was super fun. Super, super fun. It was basically us trying to stump each other, um, throw, throwing trivia questions out at each other. Both of us, I think, brought it. I tried to stump you so freaking hard, and you were pretty damn impressive. Well, I mean, you you, you test me on my knowledge of depth charts of starting lineups, Michael, and well, we, uh, we don't want to give it away too much. But things yes. are going to happen. Yeah, we're on we're on the other side of things. Your encyclopedic uh, encyclopedic knowledge of random stack and factoids of single game records is still pretty mind blowing. So yeah, check that out, guys. <laughs> It was it was it was impressive on on multiple fronts. Yeah, we'll give you about a five ten minute preview at the end of this episode, which we'll put at the very end. And if you dig it, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy, and listen to the full hour plus version of that episode. Also, uh, we have a takes with Jake coming out this week, um, kind of setting the stage for Rod on Got a little bit, and then uh, we've got a Robot's Choice episode looking back at the best USC teams of the century and how they compare facing the rest of the national championship teams in the 2000s or in the 21st century. So look for that probably later in the week. Uh, we've already recorded it. We just need to edit it. Uh, a bunch of content coming for you guys 
over on Patreon. So it's not just on our free side uh, where you listen to this episode 308. There's a bunch of stuff. Patreon.com slash Troy. You can subscribe. Get it all for as little as five fifty five a month. Or you can join for 10 bucks a month. Join the Rot Crew. Join our private Slack. You can talk through us as much as you want. Uh, and we're always talking about USC football or... If you're our pal Richard sharing some pretty badass pizza you get, I don't there's there's fun stuff on the on the rot slack. Top top Trojan fan often shares the thing that the things that he is cooking or growing, uh, whatever is going on in his kitchen. So that's always fun. Yep, I'm sure we'll be talking about some Game of Thrones too. So a lot of stuff talking about USC football as well. Uh, always the questions about Marquis Step or whatnot. So Patreon.com is real. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Patreon.com slash Reign of Troy is where you can subscribe again. But at least you have a lot of stuff to get into. Let's get into this episode, starting with the news up next. All right, USC did not have a spring game for... It seems like that's the new tradition. No more spring games. I haven't haven't called it a spring game in a while now. Uh, And before that, it was the Trojan Huddle. And that seems like even further ago. And it was an interesting event. I think it was better than last year. Uh, USC holds it on Cromwell Field because of the construction at the Coliseum. But it went about an hour and a half before SC... Uh, walked over to the swim stadium and participated in Swim with Mike. It was on the Pac-12 networks. And you pretty much got to see what USC's offense is a little bit, uh, a little vanilla um, version of it. But it was still different, and it, it was exciting in that sense. Um, Alicia, what was your thoughts about the spring show- showcase? Yeah, at least they're calling it the showcase instead of a game, so that hopefully people don't have any illusions about what it is. Uh, the, the spring showcase for media is actually kind of tough because we never have a worse vantage point to watch practice than at Cromwell Field. So I, I definitely have had a better sense of what actually happened uh, watching practices on Howard Jones Field than I did on Cromwell. Uh, the, and there were there were the big moments, I think, that, that you can come away with, the, the young players that stood out. But... Yeah, it was it was vanilla. That offense was not exactly what we've seen in in practice so far in spring practice so far. So I, I think you get the the spirit of the offense though, and particularly Clay Helton pointing out that the running backs probably had a hundred yards receiving on the day just because the quarterbacks were checking down to them. That is definitely going to be a feature of the offense, and that is definitely something that USC has been doing throughout spring camp passing the ball, but, you know, the concept of an extended handoff is definitely something that you'll see in this in this offense, even if it's not like the bubble screens that uh, USC fans are used to and sick of, even though they were pretty effective last time USC ran them. Yeah, I feel bad for both uh, Buck Allen and Reggie Bush. They came at a wrong time. Well, it's hard to say that about Reggie Reg- Bush. Reggie I mean, did okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> Reggie okay. did okay. Hard to say that about Re- Reggie Bush, but Buck Allen came at the wrong time. Can you imagine him in this offense? He was such a good, you know, receiving back 
out of the backfield. How many times did we see him on those beautiful little slip screens where Kessler would just like dump it to him? And then he'd run for 50 yards. You saw it at Oregon State. You saw it at Boston College. And he looked so good doing it. I think that's what you're going to see in this offense. Um, because that's another wrinkle. And it's something that you're going to see. Um, these guys, Vimal Pei and Stephen Carr, get utilized that way. And maybe they'll have more catches and fewer carries or whatever it is. But they're going to get the ball in their hands, which is the important thing um, for sure. And that's got to be exciting for USC moving forward. Um, and it's going to make things easier on the quarterback as well. Um, kind of an interesting, you know, vibe. Uh, there were reports that, that fans weren't allowed to have their phones out, but yet the, the practice was on TV. So it's not like they were hiding anything. And there was a quote from, from Clay Helton. Quote, we literally let everyone come in here and watch this. We really don't care. We want to be able to set our standard and play to that standard. Yeah, yeah. There was some grumbling in the media pen as well about how the normal rules for shooting practice with, with cameras applied, where we get 20 minutes to shoot and then they cut us off. And we're all standing there going like, but I think there are cameras shooting all of this to begin with. So what right. even is the point? Uh, so, yeah, if they were still having the normal practice rules where you can't have cell phones out at practice for normal days on Howard Jones Field, then I mean, I guess that I get them being consistent, but also I, I, like when the Pac-12 Network is broadcasting your practice, it, it just kind of seems kind of seems like a, a weird thing to be sticklers on i guess but a little bit tr- trust me michael i i definitely have logged that particular quote from clay helton as something that i that i will point to for you know if you want to talk about being an open an open book if you want to talk about setting your standard and doing things doing what you do well enough that it doesn't matter if anyone sees it uh, that's going to be something that that's definitely going to be kept in mind Depending on on what USC does, uh, as far as you know, how, is will there be public access for fall camp? Uh, because last year there wasn't, and they they kept it only to uh, family, and they and they called it something about the recruiting period. I don't even know what excuse they use, but like you can't say something like that and then have close practices in the fall. Um, so you know that's something that uh, will be brought up later. I think this year. Yeah. Uh, either way, uh, we did get to see some highlights, and I watched the thing on TV. Uh, I enjoyed the highlights tremendously, too, because there sure were a couple of highlights. Uh, there was one giant one missing we'll get to in a minute. But let's talk about Drake Jackson. I, I wrote in our, our rundown it was a scoop and score pick six, because I don't know how else to describe it. He literally put his hand out. He's on the left side as a defensive end, and there is a quick pass to the right. And Jack Sears throws it, and he literally just puts his hand out and just, it's, you know what it was like? You ever see those those Velcro pads that looks like a lily pad, but it's on your hand? Yes. And it's like a glove, and you get a, you get like a... Um, like a tennis ball? A, like a little Nerf tennis ball thing. Yeah. And you throw that, and it sticks. It was like that, like... Jack Sears throws the ball, and he just puts his hand out there, and just sticks to his hand. He just like scooped it out of the air, uh, and took it to the house uh, for Big Ninety Nine, the true freshman defensive end. It was majestic, 
And hopefully for USC fans, a sign of things to come, not only this fall, but two years at least in the future too. I love the majestic description. I think that's perfect. Uh, yeah, seeing, seeing a player of Drake Jackson's size wearing that number 99 jersey do something like that that was just truly like an athletic marvel was outstanding. It was the highlight of all of spring It was like seeing, a, seeing an orca breach. Yeah, I mean, straight up, straight, straight up, except the orca breaches and then catches a ball and then, <laughs> you know, runs on land 50 yards. Like, and, and the thing about Drake Jackson, too, is that, you know, he posted that video or somebody posted that video of him doing like the, the backflip. Back yeah. yeah. And you just sort of look at it and go like a human being that big should not be able to do that that gracefully. And I feel like that's how I feel about Drake Jackson, what he did in in, in that play. It was it was. Okay, fat men score touchdowns, and it's not quite a, like a fat man touchdown. Hey, 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 big guy. Big, big, guy. big man touchdown. Big, big man, man touchdown. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> big man touchdowns are scored, and big men have interceptions, and they happen. So, like, I, I accept this, but, like, Drake Jackson did it so gracefully that, I mean, seriously, and he did. And he's, he's so quick, too. Again, the media pen, our view is obstructed at best for a lot of these things. So there were a lot of people in the way. Fortunately, I had a nice little gap for when he had that and when he had the interception. But there were people in the media pen who didn't know who had gotten the interception and thought it was a corner who'd done it because that's how quickly Drake Jackson moved down the field. Like this is a 270 pound lineman and he did it with that kind of just grace and athleticism magisterial as the uh as the soccer commentators would say so yeah drake jackson stealing the show that's for sure yeah magisterial is a good way of, of putting it it, w- it was scintillating it was a it was a cracker of a uh of, of a pick <laughs> six for sure 100 percent uh the other big highlight was about a 60 yard ish touchdown run from marquis step running through the second team defense uh, to the right, um, he gets down the right sideline. He was basically gone. Um, an interesting run for him because it shows his speed. And I wouldn't call him a burner. I wouldn't say that he's um, exceedingly uh, explosive or anything. I, I, I don't think he his speed is anything to write home about. At the same point, it's his speed for his size. It's the context of his speed that is interesting. For a big guy, he can still pull away, um, which is what you want. He's not just a lumbering dude. Uh, he's he's kind of got that it factor that you've seen with guys like Lendale White and um, and Ron Dane, right? Like, those are two big dudes, but if they needed to get rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, they can do it, uh, and, and Step has that oomph to, uh, to be able to break it like that. Yeah, exactly, and that's been one of the things that he's focused on this spring is getting his weight down a little bit to try and improve the speed. And and that was, it was a really nice moment for him because we've had the, the moments for him where his power was on display earlier in camp. And we knew he had that in his locker, but now he's down to 230 and you can see that burst that he has. I agree with you. He's, he's not a burner, but the Lendale White comparison is perfect because Lendale could break it, could break it long. Like he wasn't going to burn you the way that Reggie would, but he could still put on the jets 
and 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 accelerate past defenders and make them take bad angles as a result because they don't think this, you know, hulking running back should be able to move that fast. And that's kind of what Marquis Step has going for him uh, at 230 pounds. So it was it was the kind of play that let USC fans see what we've all been talking about when it comes to Marquis Step. The the hype that has been coming out about Marquis Step from the spring, it's coming from somewhere and and it's nice when the cameras are out there and, and more people get access to see what it is that, that we're seeing on a daily basis uh, at practices. It's it's nice when those guys show up and, ha- and have those big moments. Now, Marquis Step is still going to, the narrative on him is still going to be, we know he's a really good runner. Is he going to put together the all-around side of his game in order to get snaps uh, coming in, in the fall? But that's a play that should wet wet appetites, if nothing else. Absolutely, it's what you want to see. You want you want to see his ability to be able to do that. Gives USC's offense another dimension, um, and you want that dimension, even if it's going to be incredibly simple, because SC's offense is simple. There's only going to be X amount of plays. It's going to be based on repetition. It's going to be based on taking what the defense is giving you. But you want those abilities to provide something different, and someone like Marquis Step. Gives you that with his uh, his skill set, um, and the other play, which for some reason was not caught on camera, and I'm really distraught about it, was the Dominic Davis pick six. Now we do have audio of it. Dom Davis down the sideline. I mean, that really wasn't what was what it was. Dom Davis down the sideline. It wasn't a pick six. Uh, it was a strip fumble scoop and score fine or strip strip and whatever score? it was a touchdown that's what matters well, okay no but there was the, like there was a legitimate debate in the media pen about what had happened and a lot i mean again like i've explained my sight lines were so poor that at some point in pra- in in the day i pulled up the pac-12 network feed on my phone to try and get a view of some of the things that were happening and i was upset that we didn't get the replay highlight of dom davis's uh scoring defensive play uh, in in part because I could have sworn and I have my binoculars out there. So I'm trying to get closer up. I could 99% certain that Devin Williams caught the ball that was thrown his way. And then somehow Dominic Davis ended up with it and ran down for the score. Others, (laughs) others in the, in the media pen thought it was a pick six. I guess Yogi Roth on the sideline mentioned that it was a pick six. Clay Helton said after practice that it was a strip. Uh, so I'm taking it for being that, that Dom Davis stripped Devin Williams and then proceeded to to take off down the sidelines. Uh, but uh, but it was still a really nice play for Dominic Davis, who I think who has had a – who in week four had a really strong week four. And it's something that I've almost been waiting for him to have since he converted to corner. Because he's been sort of in and out of the lineup dealing with some injury stuff, and he missed a, a chunk of time this spring camp as far as uh, dealing dealing with another you know health problem. And so th- it's it's really been this is his second week really back and getting in the groove. And as with all of the cornerbacks that are out there, he's getting a ton of opportunities because they don't have very many bodies in there. So to see him make that play was a was a paying off what he had done the previous two practices where he had a really, really nice pass breakup, I think going against um, Michael Pittman in the end zone uh, in in one-on-ones. And uh, he looked like he's really 
coming into his own and developing that little bit uh, in the secondary. And it's nice to see USC's corners in general stepping up and making plays the way they have over the last uh, over the last couple of weeks from Isaac Taylor Stewart to Dom Davis. And, and yeah, I mean, start your Heisman campaign if you if you need to, Michael. Damn right. You're damn right. How many pick six would it take for him to win the Heisman? Um, Maybe like six. Plus a, a punt return for a touchdown, at least, you know, maybe two of those and a kick return. Yeah, I like it. Ten total touchdowns, I'm thinking. I like it. It could happen. It, it could, could happen. happen. Yeah. JB voice. But moving on with the news, uh, let's talk about injury updates from spring camp. Offensive tackle Jalen McKenzie had a hyperextended elbow. Uh, he's expected back this week along with Austin Jackson, who is out with a family matter. Bernard Shermer is out with a personal thing going on. We don't know the specifics on that or the timetable. Uh, and then guys that you would expect to see in the fall would be offensive tackle Clayton Bradley shut down, Jude Wolf shut down, Solomon Tuliapupu shut down, Caleb Tremblay is kind of TBD right now with the back injury uh, and Josh Follow might be able to get back this week as well with a shoulder injury. Yeah, and and I think on Saturday the spring showcase was very much the vanillaness of the offense wasn't necessarily helped by the fact that that offensive line that fans saw out there on Saturday was not the offensive line that has been out there for the whole of spring camp. And it's been one of the nice things about spring camp is that first team line being very consistent. And this this past week that kind of fell away a little bit with Austin Jackson away for a family event, and then Jalen McKenzie out with the hyperextended elbow, which he suffered on Thursday. So the on Saturday, the the line had two different tackles than normal, Liam Jimmins and Frank Martin stepping up from the second team into the first team. Uh, so wasn't at full strength in, in that regard on the offensive line for sure. And, and, and a big part of that is because if they had Bernard Shermer and Clayton Bradley, the the gap between that first and second team would be that little bit more. Uh, but both of those players being out for one reason or another, it just shows you how thin USC is dealing with uh, uh, with the situation on the offensive line as far as depth is concerned. Yeah, so we'll see how SC finishes up spring camp this week. Uh, let's finish the news segment by talking about some drama involving a former Trojan uh, Judas Smith-Schuster. He is currently in a bit of a feud with Antonio Brown uh, of the Oakland Raiders, uh, soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders. Judas Smith-Schuster, obviously still a Pittsburgh Steeler. Both of them were teammates with the Steelers for the last two years. Weird stuff is going down. So AB tweeted on Sunday, quote, keep your emotions off the internet. Uh, some fans were, were, were giving him grief, and he, he tweeted, Emotional Pittsburgh fans, it's over, bro. Move on, fam. Buy my Raiders jersey. Someone then tweeted him a graphic of Juju Smith-Schuster winning the Steelers MVP, to which AB, who just said to keep your emotions off the internet, tweeted, Emotion, colon. Boy fumbled the whole postseason in the biggest game of the year. Everyone went blind to busy making guys famous, not enough reality these days. By the way, check the list. Juju responded with arguably the greatest subtweet of all time. Quote, keep your emotions off the internet. AB's original tweet. Yes. And that and that in and of itself was, was beautiful. Uh, Juju, you disagree with me on this a little bit, but I think Juju does social media right. And that just goes to show. 
He's definitely beloved on social media, 100%. Uh, Juju did go on to say, all I ever did was show that man love and respect from the moment I got to the league. I was genuinely happy for him, too, when he got traded to Oakland with a big contract. And now he takes shots on me on social media. Crazy how big that ego got to be to take shots at people who show you love. Shake my head. Uh, Juju also tweeted a Mark Twain quote. It says, never argue with a fool. Onlookers may not be able to tell the difference. And so that was all on Sunday. On Monday morning, Antonio Brown puts on Instagram one of the weirdest posts I've ever seen. He tweets dot, 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 dot. Uh, a microphone emoji, meaning that he's dropping the mic and hashtag on to the next. And it's a screenshot of a DM that Juju sent him in November of 2015. November of 2015. This was like days after Juju had just played against Arizona with a broken hand. In 2015. What's up, AB? I'm a receiver of the University of Southern California. I appreciate all your work. You're a great man on and off the field. Do you have any tips that can help me take my game to the next level? Thanks, man. That was apparently supposed to make Juju look like a fool. I I I, I don't get it. it, it it's I, I saw on Twitter somebody just basically sum it all up with weird flex. <laughs> like, yeah. So Antonio Brown's out here just self-owning. Like he's owning himself over and over with these things. And I, I, it's been really interesting following this story because it, it's been very, very big on on NFL Twitter, on on social media in general. And ninety nine percent of the reaction to this has been weird. Antonio, like weird flex. Like, so is this supposed to be some sort of insult? Like a mic drop that. Juju turns out to be like a decent person who's looking to improve his game and being really respectful to people who have done it before him and basically doing things right. And you're trying to like dunk on him for that. Yeah, I I don't get it. I I I don't understand it at all. I, I I think you can you can say that Juju's social media might be corny. I've bought into that idea that I think it's corny sometimes but like but people love it right so then why wouldn't he be that way uh, and he's just channeling himself he, he's being personable uh, and everything everything so I guess you could take a shot at that but this isn't that this is AB trying to take a shot at someone reaching out as a college student to someone that they admire and someone they want to be um, in the workplace isn't that what you're taught to do as a college student yeah, well, I mean, uh, J.J. Uh, Zachariasen tweeted, and this was quote tweeted by, I mean, uh, retweeted by Cole Smith, the former USC center who medically retired. A.B., Juju fumbled the season away. Juju, I've done nothing but respect you. A.B., not true. Look at this message you sent me on Instagram where you were in college where you politely asked for advice. Like, <laughs> that's exactly how that all played out. It, and it, it doesn't make any sense. Well, so it's interesting to me because, like, like I wrote on Unrated Troy, like Juju won this. Juju won this without really 100%. doing Easily. anything. Like Darius Rogers tweeted, "Juju three, AB zero. and that's exactly what every every iteration of this has ended with Juju. Juju either winning it outright or just like 
yep. not saying anything and letting AB, you know, punch himself in the face or whatever. Um, but there's some, some, like, I think some valid questions about, like, Antonio Brown and where his head is at, what his mental state is at, because it feels like he's in the middle of a meltdown. And this goes back to the end of the, I mean, the, the, the audacity of somebody, the, the lack of self knowledge for somebody to accuse Juju, who made a mistake that he owned straight up, that he, that he owned as one of the lows of his life, um, and, and, and vowed to do better and all that kind of stuff. To use that as like a weapon against Juju when the very next week, when the Steelers postseason hopes were still on the line, Antonio Brown quit on his team and didn't show up for meetings and like was an, was, was unprofessional to the max. And you're, you're turning around and, and, and like getting on Juju for ruining the postseason hopes. Like, nah, dude. Like, nah, stop it you're going through some stuff in your head and like this just reeks of obsession and and weird jealousy for like a hall of famer who seems to be just consumed by this juju was team mvp like it's very very petty and small and i'm just the one thing i'm really glad about like from the usc perspective the universal support of juju smith schuster paired with Juju generally handling this right because Juju could handle this a lot worse than he's done. Like Juju could have made a bigger thing out of this and come off looking poor. Yeah, but he hasn't. He he handled it perfectly. Yeah, he handled it exactly. He, he just he let Brown self destruct. Yes, and I and I and that's why I go back to Juju tweeting the the Mark Twain quote about not arguing with the fool. Like this is why you don't feed trolls. Uh, this is why you don't engage in these kinds of things because you'll just end up getting pulled into basically the the, the mud battle. But uh, this is one of the weirdest, like USC related storylines regarding the NFL that I can like remember in in ever. Isn't it sort of refreshing that SC has a player in the NFL that everyone loves? Right? I can't remember the last time that happened. Right? Ju- Junior Seau, I guess. But It's like, gotta be. Yeah. The country did not like Matt Leiner. Like, a lot of people do not like Clay Matthews. Like, there's nobody who's universally beloved like Juju. Yeah. J- well, Junior Seau was the same way. And, but it's, it's refreshing when you, you, you just look at it and it seems like everything USC touches turns to crap. Like, um, in a, in a bunch of different ways, the the university, the athletic department, the administration, like you know, former players getting arrested, current players getting arrested, like a bunch of stuff that does not end up good. And here's Juju being arguably the most liked football player on the planet right now. I think that's that's not too far out of out of bounds. Uh, the number of tweets that I've seen today, just perusing social media, where people talking about my five favorite, like Cowboys fans, my five favorite non Cowboys, and Juju's at the top of that list. Like the number of like I'm a Jets fan and I love Juju, or I'm a Raiders fan and AB's being ridiculous, or you know, like the, the, all that kind of stuff. It's like I've said, it's super weird to see something come down universal uh, in 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 anything on social media, but. It is nice 
to have something that's not inherently negative regarding somebody involved with USC. Like, there haven't been very many stories where we can take this approach, even though this is still, like, bizarro world stuff going on with, with, with AB and who knows what, what's going to happen next in this thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Either way, uh, AB got one-two punched, like, as if you hit A and B. <laughs> Trying no. a little hard there, buddy, but... Okay. All right. All right. Uh, let's get into the mailbag up next. We had a bunch of questions. We'll answer those and we'll wrap this thing up. Thanks as always for listening. We'll be right back. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, I want to start out with a question from Mike Fisher on Twitter. Uh, when Helton got interviewed during practice, on Saturday, he was running around to the different drills, observing but not interfering, which I liked. Is this how he is normally, uh, or is this just what it was on TV? Um, I, I think it was pretty normal. Uh, I think that there have been moments where he has stepped in when he's needed to step in, but for the most part, he's been around, observing, available to to comment or to put in his his two cents if if it's if something comes up that he needs to put in the two cents uh, like there was a special teams drill on Thursday I want to say where the the refs were calling I think there were like five different flags for holding or blocks in the back and that's when he stepped in and and basically talked specifically to guys about you know you can't tug the jersey or whatever so when when circumstances have called for it yes he has done it but what he was doing on Saturday was more or less his demeanor throughout most of spring camp. I don't think that he's putting on any sort of show for the cameras when it came to the showcase. Let's go to a tweet from King Camby who says, doesn't feel like a college football playoff type year, but maybe a New Year's Six Bowl game if they can split the Washington-Notre Dame games mid-season. I think the best possible record this year is 10-2, and two, with the only home loss scare maybe being Oregon. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I think that 10-2 and two is, is, the, is on the really optimistic side of the scale. I was having a conversation uh, on Twitter with, with somebody kind of about this, that I think 10-2 and two is more possible than a lot of people are giving credit. Uh, but again, this is another one of those USC teams where anything between seven and five and ten and two feels like it's in insanely possible. Uh, a lot of it just hinges on things going right for USC, and that's the problem. Is you haven't necessarily been able to bank on things going right for USC. But let's say that Elijah Griffin and Isaac Taylor Stewart turned out to be pretty good corners. Let's say that Isaiah Pulamau and Talano Hafanga both stay really healthy. Uh, let's say that. You're really well settled in with EA Naoteote and John Houston at your linebacker spots. Let's say that the defensive line, now second year starters, Marlon Tupelotu, J2 Fele, uh, a more established Christian Rector at the defensive end position, that switch to a bigger defensive front. Let's say all of that works out and USC is better defending the run and they don't give up as as many big plays as they did last year. Let's say the defense sorts itself out steadies itself out a little bit. And then on top of that, let's say that USC's air raid offense gets, you know, let's say 10 points more a game worth of of getting the talent to live up to their potential. Then yeah, I think you're looking at 10 and 2. If, If they stay healthy and if the offense comes around the way that we hope it does and the defense 
is steady, then 10 and 2 is very, very possible. The, the, the thing is just like, am I willing to bank on USC staying healthy? Hell no. Because what evidence do I have that that's been something to bank on for the last, you know, three, four years? Uh, I, I think the, the air raid will do well, but I can't promise it'll do 10 points better. Maybe six would be good. Yeah, 10 and 2 feels like the best case scenario, which certainly, like you said, like, sure, is, is plausible. But there's so much stuff to go right that I don't know that I would bank on it. Um, I still think SC could make a New Year's Six Bowl even without going 10 and 2. I think this is a team that potentially could win the Pac 12 at like 9 and 3 or something like that. Um, because you look at the tough games, two tough road games at BYU, at Notre Dame. Not that BYU is a world beater, but it's a road game in, in September. Those things are never easy. Um, and it certainly could be a downfall for USC to go into Provo there. Um, early on. So if SC loses those two games and the Washington game, those are the only three games SC loses. They still control their own destiny in the, in the Pac-12 South. So I could, I could see a situation where they go to a New Year's Six Bowl just by taking care of business in the South, but you still got to do that. You still got to follow through. Utah is going to be really damn good. Thankfully for USC, they do not have to go to Rice-Eccles. Uh, they get Utah at home. They've never lost to Utah at the Coliseum, you want to keep that going um, somehow, some way. And, and we'll see if SC can do that. So I don't think it's crazy to say that SC could make a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, I just wouldn't bang on it. I, I, I think that 8-4, and 9-3 seems right right now. Um, and until we see otherwise, um, I'd, much, I'd feel much better saying that this is a team that's potentially do for like a holiday slash Alamo bowl um, more than a new year six bowl. But I don't know. You never see, you, you, you never guess. Yeah. 10, 10 and two, nine and three is the optimistic take seven and five, six and six is the pessimistic take. And the realistic take is eight and four. Yeah. Eight and four, nine and three. Uh, let's go to a question from Dave UCLA grad slash hokey dad on Twitter. Who is the worst athletic director in Los Angeles, Dan Guerrero or Lynn Swan? Oh, buddy. Uh, Alicia, we're going to talk about this uh, with our pal Jake Merrifield and it takes with Jake episode that we're going to record this week and put on Patreon because it's been a fascinating couple of weeks for UCLA. Uh, They go after John Calipari. A bunch of UCLA fans are just patting themselves on the back, even for not getting him because, oh, it shows that, you know, we're wanting to spend the money and blah, 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 blah. And to to quote a tweet from Aaron Torres on Twitter, so far UCLA has, number one, offered John Calipari a, quote, monster offer that was actually less than he was already making at Kentucky. Number two, refused to pay Jamie Dixon's buyout. Number three, got Rick Barnes a pay raise at Tennessee. This is officially the worst coaching search of my lifetime. There isn't a close second. That is scathing. It is horrible for UCLA to the point that the the Nashville Predators mascot, Nash, is putting on Twitter, Hey, UCLA basketball, can you offer me a head coaching position so I can use it to negotiate some more catnip from the Preds? (laughs) Like, it is embarrassing for UCLA what's going down right now. So the question is, 
who's a worth worse athletic director, Dan Guerrero or Lynn Swan? And I feel like it's Dan Guerrero, right? Strictly because he's got experience at this point. He's been around there forever at this point. Uh, yeah, like, he, he should know better. That's the thing is Dan Guerrero was the athletic director at, at Cal State Dominguez Hills. Uh, he was the athletic director at UC Irvine for 10 years before he became the athletic director at UCLA. So, like, Dan Guerrero was a qualified athletic director when he was hired. But now oh, it's... Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. He worked at two low-budget athletic departments. But he, so, worked, he worked his but, way but up. But he at least was an AD. He had AD experience, which, from a USC perspective is starting somewhere. My point is, sure, this is this is a man who has you know 30 years of of uh athletic director experience under his belt. So, kind of what you were getting at, it almost makes it worse that this is happening happening to him now. Because it would be one thing if like Lynn Swan did this and you could just chalk it up to, well, yeah, because Lynn Swan was unqualified and what what did you expect? But if you're UCLA, you're looking at this this and going just like, oh, buddy, like the 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 mismanagement of that of the hires, at least when it comes to UCLA basketball, like Dan Guerrero, I guess, gets credit for going out and getting Chip Kelly for the football team. But you still got to see that work out in the first place. And on the on the basketball side of things, like the hiring of Steve Alford was questionable to begin with. And then they kept him around for way longer than they should have. So Dan Guerrero is working with the baggage of that whole deal. And that's after, you know, firing Ben Howland, who, by the comparisons to to what UCLA basketball has done in the last, you know, since Howland, sure, it felt like he was underperforming at the time, but you haven't been as ambitious, you haven't even sniffed what he was getting you uh, for UC- for UCLA basketball back then. So... Like, Lynn Swan is not a good athletic director because he wasn't qualified to be one in the first place. But he hasn't, and I, okay, this is where USC fans are gonna start waving pitchforks and, you know, torches at me, but I will still give Lynn Swan the slightest benefit of the doubt. Because while I would have moved on from Clay Helton, I think his reasoning for keeping Clay Helton in a job last year it wasn't without basis in logic there was logic there it didn't have to be the best logic but there at least was logic right so like it's almost too early for lin swan because okay let's say okay well let me put it this way the decision that the the main decisions of lin swan i don't think are the most egregious in the history of sports yes the day-to-day stuff is really bad in sense uh, like waiting days to comment on things but yet when there's an article about him signing autographs there's a statement the very next day like yeah. the the optics of something like that i think that those are the things where lin swan really looks poor on um so but okay yeah. if i'm okay <laughs> i don't want to do this cuz i really don't want to do it but like if oh I was boy. gonna if I was gonna go to bat for Lin Swan, Lin Swan in some way, and again I don't I don't want to do this because I don't want to excuse him because I think he's responsible for what he does. But 
Lin Swan is a victim of circumstance in that he followed Pat Hayden and has been saddled with Pat Hayden's mistakes. So, but he's also had the opportunity to rid himself of those mistakes and and right to but, to set himself on his own path. Okay, right. But while I would have fired Andy Enfield by now, Andy Enfield has a top five recruiting class coming in, and there's good reason to not fire Andy Enfield. And while Again, I would have fired Clay Helton by now, logic that doesn't make it the right logic. Right, exactly. But like, so basically, what I'm saying is that Lin Swan has not been good. But at the same time, like, I understand why Lin Swan's troubles are what they are. Where UCLA's troubles when it comes to basketball feel like Dan Guerrero's. It's all Dan Guerrero's issue. Like well, Lin Swan you, didn't. You can't. You can't build all these things. You can't go out and pay Chip Kelly millions and millions and millions of dollars and let Wasserman run that search and go find him himself, essentially, you know, stepping around Dan Guerrero. You can't do that. And then with your flagship program, him and Hall overpaying a buyout. Yes, exactly. So I think that's my point where my argument is that, and I think we agree on this, that Dan Guerrero, Dan Guerrero's stuff Dan is Guerrero worse should know because better. he owns all of it. Where like Lynn Swan yes. not firing the hires that Pat Hayden made is a different circumstance than Dan Guerrero screwing the pooch totally on something that he owns 100% because he's been it, in this job yeah. for more than a decade. That's fair. Uh, it sounds like we're giving Len Swan a whole bunch of benefit of the doubt and here. I, I think again, I don't want to do merely, that. No, yeah, I, I, I get. We what are you're on the record I, on Len Swan. That's for sure. But yeah. yes, both need to go. Both are embarrassingly bad. We can agree with that. Yes, that's the crux of the matter. Yes, one hundred percent. So yeah, both are very bad. This is life. again, but uh, this sure. is something that I've said before, and I, I'm going to go back to it. The best thing for USC fans right now in this in this moment where there's very little to be proud about in terms of the athletic, the, the revenue sport athletics, it's it's really fortunate that UCLA isn't taking USC to task over anything right now because UCLA is adding their own embarrassments to the pile. UCLA baseball is really good. Yeah, there you go. They got something. USC basketball just upset somebody good. USC baseball? Yeah, they beat ASU, but... They're still they're still not the USC baseball that they should be. Uh, moving on, let's go to a tweet we got from Anthony JG two one one four. Your top five games looking forward to that you are looking forward to this season. Um, I I think for me, um, number one Fresno State. I, I'm not saying one in terms of like the number one game, but I'm just saying in sequentially. Um, Fresno State, for multiple reasons, I want to see what the Coliseum looks like when it's all done. Uh, I want to see what this team looks like in week one, if they can take advantage of week one, because SC has struggled the last two week ones, and I think it's okay to struggle in week one, but when you've done it two years in a row, and you've changed your offense, I think it's it would behoove USC to look good against Fresno State. Mind you, Fresno State is pretty damn good, and they're pretty well coached. Um, so it's going to be a big game. It's going to be a big game for USC. You know, they're going to bring like 20,000 fans down, um, from, from, from the Valley. They did it before. So that's the first one on the schedule for me. What would be the second one? Uh, I mean, at BYU should be fun just because it's, it's a new venue for USC to be playing in. Yeah. They went there in 2004, but yeah, it's, it's a new venue for, 
you know, in recent times. It's I mean, been a newer venue than any years. other game that is going to be played. Like, it's a di- different venue than different, USC yeah, than from anybody it's else. Not a, it's not a new venue. Yeah. Lavelle Edwards Stadium is, is not new. Yeah, no, no, no but, uh, you know, yeah. different. Yeah, after that, I would say at Washington. Uh, it's going to be my first trip to Husky Stadium. I'm super excited about that. I've been to Husky Stadium before, but not for a game. I've just stood outside of it, uh, and it was gorgeous. But that was the old one. This is going to be the new one, so I'm super excited for that. And it's it's a tough one. SC did win there three years ago. A big one. A big win. Can they do it again? I don't know. We'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah, I, I'm I'm having trouble with this question. Just like I'm, so I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of under normal circumstances, what games would excite me? Because like the next one would be Notre Dame because that that's going to be a huge matchup. Notre Dame's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> Notre Dame's going to Notre Dame University is going to be good again this year. The Irish will be good, and and anytime you go to South Bend, it's an exciting game. But like that and and Washington and you know, Fresno State and and BYU, like, all of those games, I'm also almost dreading because I'm also partly seeing how things can go wrong. And I, so, I, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a struggle. So I'm trying to sort of put myself back in the mindset of, like, under normal circumstances, if I was feeling good about this, about, like, confident about the direction of the program in general, like, what would get me excited and, and, yeah, Notre Dame and, and then probably Oregon. Oregon at the Coliseum should be a fun matchup, you know, a couple days after Halloween. Yeah, Oregon for sure. You get to see um, uh, Justin Herbert, potentially uh, a high prospect in the NFL. Should be exciting. Um, At ASU, early in November should be fun. Um, And then you got the UCLA game uh, at the Coliseum to round out the season. Another one in which USC needs to get revenge from last year. One that didn't feel good for the Trojans. One that they... Let slip out of their hands. Uh, they should have won that game. Who won? Who won the last time that USC played Oregon? SC did at the Coliseum. That was the one with the uh, catch yes. from uh, Daniel Martinez. Yes, 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 yes. Because the the last three games of the season for USC are all revenge opportunities. Uh, so it could have been four, but nope. Yep. Uh, let's finish the thing off with some questions we got from our pal David Orange County. First one. Has this national championship illustrated how poor college basketball is? There are some great finishes, so you can say at times it has some amazing moments. But if this is the two best team playing in the nation, shoot me. Uh, the, the NCAA tournament isn't about the two best teams. It's about the two teams that make it through the tournament, though. Yeah, like otherwise a, Duke would have been there. Like a 68-team a, a tournament knockout in you know individual knockout game it is not looking to find the best team that's how you a regular season champion is probably a better reflection of the best team uh than than a than a you know single elimination tournament uh, because there is been, there's never been a champion of any tournament that didn't get there by a, a, you know almost extreme luck like, you don't advance in these things unless you have things go your way one way or another. So, yeah. As it turned out, the game, I, th- I think he tweeted that when it was, uh, you know, a defensive slugfest. The game ended pretty exciting. So, there's yeah, that. I, I, didn't, I didn't see it, but uh, the the one thing I think that is that sucks for USC fans looking at it 
that Texas Tech team came out of nowhere to make the national title game. If Texas Tech is making the national title game, and SC, who's having these great recruiting classes, is still not able to make the tournament, that has got to be an indictment on Andy Enfield. 100%. And the whole program. Yes. But on the, other, on like, the flip that side... easily could be SC, right? On, like, on, Texas Tech is not a power. SC is not a power. Like They personify what USC is, essentially, in basketball. But that's the thing, uh, Texas Tech, the 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 silver lining to look at it is that if Texas Tech can get to a national title game, then USC then can absolutely get to a national title game. Um, what is what what gets you there, though? Chris Beard is a great coach. So find a great coach like that's what I, I that's what I think USC basketball doesn't seem to understand. Like, yes, the one and done getting getting talented players is important, except that like one and dones aren't winning the tournament, more or less like coaching yeah, usually Zion is. Williamson is only the third one and done all time to win the Naismith. I think that's telling, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like USC doesn't need to be like USC pulling in these big recruiting classes is, is great, but having a great coach matters so much more than getting these players who are only going to be around for for a year or two, like yeah, that's. I wish USC understood that, but the uh, the the problem is it's hard to find a good coach and it's hard to keep them. Yeah, and you got to get the most out of your players, and it doesn't seem like SC has gotten the most out of their players. They've had the talent, they had Chimezi Metu, they had Benny Boatwright, they had you know Julian Jacobs left early, but like they had guys that would make you turn your head at times. Um. Jordan McLaughlin, but they just weren't able to get the most out of them at the you know the most often. Last question from Dave: uh, Did you do a Game of Thrones rewatch in preparation for the premiere this week? I have not. I have not. I did watch a basically a compilation of all the previously on Game of Thrones like season recaps. Where did you find that? Uh, it was on like Facebook at some point. I'm sure I could find it on on, on YouTube and send it to you. Yeah, but but it was basically somebody took the you know the like season recaps that they do and then they just sort of strung them all together it was really useful uh, i liked it but uh i, I want to watch season seven this week just a matter of actually doing it you're running running out of time on that buddy i know but season seven is only seven episodes that's true i i can i can get through that uh hopefully um if nothing else like maybe i'll just binge watch it all day sunday um you never know um yeah that's what I, that's what i need to do i i wish i my plan was to watch the entire series I just, geez, life happened. I wasn't able to do it. So made it a little bit difficult. But that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, we did want to get into the free preview of our trivia show. We're going to give you about five to ten minutes of it. Uh, if you dig it, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy and subscribe. And you can listen to the whole thing. It's well over an hour. Uh, and it was fun to do. It was fun to, fun to try to stump each other. We got some help from our pal, Top Trojan fan, uh, on the Red of Troy Slack. He tried to come up with questions for us, too. It was a fun time. So we had we had a we had a ball. We hope you guys enjoy listening to it too. So here's a quick sample of that. 
everybody, welcome back to Ren of Troy Radio over on Patreon. This is going to be our first ever trivia episode dropping on Patreon. I'm your host, Mike Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. This is going to be an interesting episode. It's our first trivia episode. We've been talking about doing this forever. Uh, we got the idea back at the FanCast when USC played Utah six months ago. Does that feel like it was six months ago? It does not. Not yeah. in the slightest. Six months ago in October. But then, but then think about how much has happened since mm-hmm. that, that, that weekend. And you start to realize like it's only been six months. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good point. So we want to do some trivia. Uh, we talked about do, calling it Stump the Michael after Stump the Schwab, which is one of my favorite shows growing up on ESPN. Um, but it's not going to completely be that. So what we did was we came up with things to stump each other, um, and we asked around on our Rotbot Slack, Rot Crew Slack, and um, we got some questions. I think we both got questions from Top Trojan Fan, who gave us some ideas. So I'm going to use his questions to try to stump Alicia. Alicia's going to use his questions to try to stump me. And um, and then we've come up with questions for each other on top of that. So why don't we start with Top Trojan Fan stuff? You want me to yeah. ask you stuff right off the bat, or you want to go for me first? Do, do we want to like trade back and forth? Because he gave me five he to, gave to stump you, okay. you with. All right. So let's just so let's just go back and forth and right. see who has we'll, the most we'll, points at the we'll end. We'll start. We'll start with me asking you from Top okay. Trojan fan. By the way, I, I am gonna get murdered in this. I've episode. arranged these. <laughs> I, I've arranged these questions from easiest to hardest. Oh, so so and I think it starts out pretty easy. So um, we'll we'll, we'll see how well you do here. First question: Which Pac-12 stadium has the highest capacity? Oh. Um, it's, oh, uh, why is it taking you this long? Well, I was going to say the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl, baby. Yeah. 91,936. Well, but I was going to ask what iteration of the Coliseum are we The Coliseum was, I only had 84 last year has 77 now. uh, And the Coliseum is still number two, by the way, still number two. Oh, even with the 77? Yep, even with the 77. Oh, okay. Stadium doesn't quite have that much. Okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, what's, what's your first one for me? And, All and right. by the way, we have completely shut down our internet browsers with the exception of our Google Doc, that we each have a Google Doc. Yes. But nothing well, else, and there's no cheating here. Well, also, if... Honor I mean, system. My, Michael can attest to this. My keyboard is notoriously loud. So true. were I to search anything on on my computer, y'all would know I was doing it. <laughs> this is true. This is I suppose true. I could I could search with my with my cell phone, but uh, do not I, do that. Don't do that. Scouts honor. I am not searching. I'm not searching these. Uh, okay, I guess if we're gonna try, I uh, try to go easiest to hardest. I don't know. I feel like that. I I my answer to what is easiest of these and hardest is these. It would be different from yours, but. Let's go with this one. In the last five years, which opponent has outscored USC by the largest margin in a single game? By the largest margin in a single game? By the largest margin in a single game. In the, in last, the last five, five years. years. Uh, it's Notre Dame. It is not. Oh, it's Alabama. Sorry. Yeah. It's Alabama 52-6. <laughs> 46 points. 20, 2016, Alabama yeah. beat USC 52-6. to six. That's 46. Where Notre yeah. Dame, because USC scored a couple, a couple touchdowns. To make yeah. that a little bit better. It was better. 35, yeah. Yeah. 
So no. I, I just I jumped the gun there. I knew the answer. You did. I, you did. I, I did. I did know the answer. I would have got it wrong if this was Jeopardy, though. You, uh, well, I, I'm, I think, an, I'm an idiot. I overthought it. I, I, I wanted I don't to get think, the answer out there too quick. I don't think it's that you would have got it wrong. You you did get it wrong. Okay, Michael. you don't have to just add <laughs> on to it. All right, top Trojan fans. Number two question for you: What year did USC play Alicia's alma mater, Notre Dame, the first time? Oh dear, what year did they play the first time? It's gonna be embarrassing. Uh, this popped into my head, so I'm going to go 1924. Ooh, close. No, no cigar. 1926, the Irish oh. win 13-12 at the Coliseum. Oh, see, I was going to be close. like, okay, I, I'm pretty sure it's in the 20s, but it, but if it's I not, I then I'm going to be super embarrassed. If I didn't know better, I would have guessed 25. My second answer would have been twenty eight. So uh, you know, I, I knew I, it was I somewhere knew it wasn't in twenty eight. But I, I, yeah, I would twenty eight felt I too late. Probably guessed twenty five. But um, what was doesn't your next USC one? win the title in twenty eight? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Uh, keeping on similar theme. In the last five years, who has USC outscored by the largest margin in a single game? In the last five years. Yes. In the last five years. Um, it's Idaho 59 to 9. There you go. There you go. 2015. Coincidentally, the a, second... A score that I called and predicted on Minotaur.com, by the oh, way. Oh, did you? Ah, good, good you remember good that? one. I do the, remember my that. My only claim to fame about that game, yes. See, I was going through finding the answers for this, and I was like, wow, 2015 started... That season started with a 59 to 9 drubbing of Idaho, and... No, it started, well, no, it with, started a 50, with a... With a um, shoot, it was fifty to nine over Arkansas State. Fifty-five to six over Arkansas State, which is forty-nine points. Remember when USC won games by forty-nine and fifty points, Michael? I was looking up the 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 score. Some teams, though, no one no one gave SC credit. That's true. I was looking up the answer to this, and I just basically skipped the last two seasons. I didn't even like bother checking to make sure. Like it was like, no, USC didn't outscore anybody by more than by anything in seventeen and eighteen. So, good times. All right, number number three from Tom Trojan fan for you. I would have never gotten this in a million years because this is just not my forte. What is USC's current official mascot's name? Oh, um. Shoot. Shoot. This is semi-recent, too, because the the previous one, or the one who was going to take over, died, and so I knew the number, but now I don't remember. Traveler 9? Traveler 9, correct. Yeah. Traveler, Traveler 7 is the one that died most recently. I think Traveler Eight had died previously, and so yeah, tra- which was which was going to take over. So they skipped the generation. Yes, yes, that's why I I I just couldn't remember if it was eight or nine. But yeah, I got the oh, sweet, well, seven, sweet. Eight, seven eight nine right seven eight nine yes yeah why was six afraid of seven yeah I, I, I yeah yeah all right uh your your turn all right what USC QB has the higher career completion percentage. Matt Barkley, Carson Palmer, or John David Booty? Uh, career completion percentage? Career completion it's percentage. probably Booty. That's your answer? I'm taking out that as your answer. The answer is Matt Barkley. Is it Barkley? Is it Bar- Barkley by just a little bit? Barkley was 64.1%. 
Booty was 62.3%. And Palmer, okay. you were right to See, just act because he was yeah, 59.1%. It was not going to be Palmer. Uh, yeah. The reason I thought it was Booty is because he played two seasons as an upperclassman. But it makes that's sense. Actually, that's it, actually it makes a sense good because point. Barkley's best season um, was like a 75% completion rate. He was, he was up there pretty high. Yeah. Um, no, but that's a good point. Four years under Barkley, and we know that when he was a freshman, he... He was at like 59% or something. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't like crazy accurate. Uh, but but Barkley, I think, also was in an offense that maybe uh, lended itself to efficiency as far as the completion percentage goes, to a yeah. point. A little bit. Uh, a lot of bubble screen. Uh, let's go to number <laughs> four from Top Trojan Fan for you. What position did John Wayne play at USC? And I'll give you a bonus if you can get this one. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.